0: Hello again, this is Father Kelly Edwards, now from the St. Gabriel Hotel in Bethlehem, which is a very different place, it turns out, from being in Tiberias near the Sea of Galilee. The weather is different, the sort of general uh, landscape is different, the political setting is certainly different, Uh, we are technically in the West Bank, which is apparently, I I'm not a good historian necessarily, so I've heard of all these things, but I'm just now learning that the West Bank is, um, I'm learning specifically how complicated of an area it is. I always knew that it kind of was, but uh, we are in Bethlehem, which is, let's see, an area that was possessed militarily by Jordan at one point, but then sort of given back to Israel, but then also a home for Palestinians under certain strange conditions, There are apparently many parts of the city with different rules and different, um, well, different rules for who is in charge of it. Some places the Jews, or the state of Israel rather, uh, controls everything. Some places they just do security. Some places they do nothing. The Palestinians control all of it, or some places they control part of it. It's very confusing. Um, But for those who might be worried, it is safe. Uh, There are, as our tour guide says, some tensions here but we're not in danger. At, at no point so far have we at all felt in danger um, any more than one might in any normal sort of international travel situation. But a lot has happened before even arriving there, so let me move back to that before I think too much about uh, being in Bethlehem. So this morning we got up, still in Tiberias. I took one last look at the lake, which was uh, actually seemed more uh, even more beautiful today, even though there's a bit more wind. Uh, yesterday, the two days before, it was actually um, unusually placid, our tour guide said. Today there was a breeze, and the water was rippling a bit more. It actually felt a lot more like being beside the ocean, with the bright sun, the palm trees, the waves coming in. Again, praise God for that, a fantastic day. So we got on the bus this morning, and we have to regrettably head out from there, because it was a lovely place. But we were heading to Nazareth. The place that Jesus was from, the place where the Holy Family lived, which is nothing to be sad about going to. So eventually we we go through the town of Nazareth, um, seeing uh, many Christmas trees and decorations around, even Santa Claus in a number of places. Apparently uh, one of the Orthodox churches has only recently finished their Christmas. I believe they are uh, 13 days behind the Roman church when they celebrate Christmas. And so Christmas still here uh, is in uh, very much full swing. It only uh, literally just happened. So, uh, many Christmas decorations, including, like I said, uh, the very surprising presence of, of Santa Claus on store windows and kind of on billboards and things like that. But the reason we were in Nazareth and a very special place was the Church of the Nativity. Er, sorry, not the Nativity, but the Church of the Annunciation. Remember, uh, we, we pray the angels, Lord, with credit to Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. This is the place where Mary was when the angel appeared to her. And, of course, tradition has preserved this place. And so we went to Mass there at this very beautiful church over the site of the Annunciation. Now, Mass was very interesting uh, because, um, well, let me back up a little bit. First off, the whole whole campus is, of course, very beautiful, a very special church, though not a particularly old church in its current building. Uh, Like most of them, there was the original thing that it's built over. And then there was a Byzantine-era church that was at some point destroyed, and then a Crusaders-era church, which was then at some point destroyed, and then the modern church. That's that's kind of the go-to uh, layering of things around here. So original strata of whatever it is, whatever significant site, Byzantine church, uh, Crusaders-era church, and then the current church. Sometimes more layers than that, but that's sort of the usual setup. Um, This one, the current church, though, happened to have been built, um, I think, finished at least in the 60s, which does lend itself to some unique architectural elements, you might say. But so far as modern churches go, this is actually uh, quite fantastic and not at all cringeworthy. So it is made much of concrete, but very, very well done. Uh, But let me work from the outside in. Um, Around the outer courtyard... Is this fantastic series of Marian images? Um, not all of them necessarily, but most of them are depicting uh, some form of the Annunciation. And they're mosaics from all over the world—from you know Italy, Germany, Croatia, Slovenia, um, you know Portugal, uh, who knows what? Various African countries, uh, Congo—I'm sure there was one. Um, you know, countries scattered all around the world have obviously contributed their own version of the of the annunciation and so it's a very beautiful uh, surroundings of the courtyard the building itself um, actually looks a bit like il duomo in in milan a bit like that's that's being generous but it is it does kind of imply that in some regards at least um, especially with the details along the top edges of it our tour guide pointed out that it became uh, like it's designed somewhat to be like a tent in a certain sense, kind of an old style uh, desert tent, like you would picture the people in Scripture using, uh, because in the Scriptures of the word made the word became flesh and dwelt among us, uh, the sort of a literal translation of that is he came down and he he pitched his tent among us, is the way that, that Scripture literally refers to the the Christ taking on human form in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. He he pitched his tent among us, so uh, the overall structure of the church is sort of tent shaped if you will kind of the you know peaked in the middle with flat sides um, but then also on the top the bell tower and well one of the bell tower but the um the lantern the the top part that has the lights in it that would, that would i presume shine out at night um that is shaped like a lighthouse because christ is the light of the world the christ who came into the world in this spot is the light of the world so of my beautiful Marian images outside all over the place as as many Marian shrines are and uh, then we go inside and um, first we just were there to have Sunday morning mass this this was uh, Sunday today and so uh, we had the interesting experience myself and father Irwin of concelebrating mass in Arabic well celebrating a mass that was in Arabic we didn't use Arabic because neither of us obviously speak or read Arabic um, but the the pastor there the the priest who had mass today I think uh, religious community runs, so I don't think he's a pastor per se. Um, but the Franciscans run this church, and so the priest was very nice. He spoke some English, so he explained to us how things would go. Um, we had our little Magnificat books to follow along in English, and um, he told us you know, which Eucharistic prayer we were using and such like that. So it went very smoothly. Um, Father Irwin actually read the gospel in English, and then the priest at the end uh, gave some words of greeting and kind of a little mini homily to sort of the American, the English speaking crowd that was there. So, um, a very, very nice gesture. It was very interesting to be very wonderful, really, to be celebrating mass in this church, especially during the creed when we profess and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And to remember that it was happening in the cave where Mary lived, um, you know, Two floors below or one floor below us I suppose under the under the main level of the church um, which we hadn't actually gone to so I didn't know what it looked like at the time but I, down there is where it happened so it was um, a profound moment of course because mass profound all of it um, but especially that to be to profess that part of the creed in a place where part of the creed actually happened you know obviously not something that gets to happen every day um, another uh, delightful part of this is that once again i found Arla de Guadalupe. I found her yesterday. Uh, she was um, at least in the, in one of the shops in Cana. Uh, outside the, we, outside the wedding at Cana Chapel, uh, she was olive wood carving Arla de Guadalupe. I saw her there. And then two days ago in, in Magdala, I saw her. And so today, um, surely I figured she would be somewhere at this place with so many Marian images from so many countries. Uh, surely, Arda de Guadalupe would be there. And she was, Actually, in the sacristy, in a very large image, I think full size, and then on uh, a mosaic on the wall inside the church as well, kind of a a, a bigger picture involving more than just the image of Our Lady. Um, so she was. I was delighted to find her present again today. I expected, sure, that she would be somewhere around here. So we had mass in that basilica there, um, but then before we explored that basilica, we went up the hill to a smaller little church uh, called, I guess it's commemorates the workshop of St. Joseph. So, because we know where everything is apparently. uh, Tradition remembers all these places. So there's a church, of course, built above the place where tradition holds that St. Joseph had his workshop. So there is, um, of course, the upper church. I'm sure there are some various layers of um, Crusader and Byzantine churches. But then if you go in, in the basement, there is kind of a a base floor level and below that is what you might call kind of a catacomb or a basement type area. Um I think the idea is that uh Joseph's worksite here had multiple levels to it kinda of carved into the ground. So there was maybe the the what was at that point the ground level with maybe a building over it. There was kind of a workshop but then also a basement level maybe for storage and other stuff like that. So there was A certain part you'd walk in, and of course there's a chapel down there, and then below that there were um, grates where you could look down into and see uh, the area below that that would would have been his um, work and storage area, maybe some water storage and stuff like that. So of course said a prayer there for um, virtuous manly men to be like St. Joseph. Then we went back up the hill, or back rather down the hill towards the Church of the Annunciation, um, saw kind of on the side of the side of the church under under a canopy uh the kind of cave that would have made for a, a first century dwelling in the town of Nazareth then went back into the church into what i guess you would call the crypt level and were able to spend some time in prayer with the house the sort of semi cave that mary lived in where the where the annunciation happened where the angel of the lord appeared unto mary and she conceived by the holy spirit where the fiat happened where mary said yes to god's plan this very special place without which christian history would not be possible and so um we were able to kneel and pray there and, and spend a good amount of time um, praying in that place uh, you know but it has the problem that every place like this has is it, is what well, it's not a problem with the place, but it's a problem with or the human experience of it is that you can't spend enough time there. There is no amount of time there in prayer that would be sufficient to really appreciate and have the appropriate spiritual depth that that place really calls for. And so, though we did have a good amount of time, it was never enough. Uh, I said many Hail Marys while kneeling uh, at the railing a bit further away, and then right in front of the place... Um, and certainly a place I hope to return to someday because uh, even a few minutes, even half an hour there, if we would have had that long, wouldn't have captured enough. Um, I, would, I could easily go back many, many times. But alas, the pilgrimage must move on. So after that, we went to uh, what would be a very interesting place, uh, the synagogue of Nazareth. Um, just for context, Nazareth, Nazareth now is a, is, a, is a town, I think, somewhere over a million people, perhaps even more than that. Um, but at the time of Jesus, it was a few hundred people, a very, very small town. So the, the, uh, the synagogue at Nazareth, which also still exists, uh, is a room that probably could seat, you know, not even maybe the whole town at once, maybe seats a hundred people. Now, if you squeezed a lot of chairs in there, but it's the town, it's the place where Jesus uh, had one of the moments of explaining to the people who he was to reading the prophet Isaiah and and telling people that you know, I am the Messiah, but how um, difficult would that have been for those people to have received that message? And in fact, they tried to throw him off a cliff after he did so. Um, but here we were in this small well; it's a chapel now, of course, um, but in this synagogue where Jesus told this people that he grew up with that he was the Messiah. Um interestingly now, uh because it's still Christmas time there here, uh there was a Christmas tree in the corner and garland ever all around and even some little Santa's in front of the altar. It's a bit odd to think there's images of Santa Claus and Christmas trees where uh in in the childhood um uh, in the childhood synagogue of Jesus, but you know, that's how it is. Um after that we had lunch at a great place where we had, had some falafel, fantastic stuff. Um, with street-side vendors all around, great little hole-in-the-wall restaurant. Uh, then we went to Mount Carmel, Mount Carmel, where the Carmelite Order has its origins, uh, but also the place where the Prophet Elijah is kind of focused around lots of his um, the stories of Prophet Elijah happen on Mount Carmel. Uh, the two most significant ones that most people remember from Elijah that you may be familiar with is one when he's in the cave he's running from queen jezebel's trying to kill him but he's in the cave and uh, an earthquake happens and god says i'm not in the earthquake and a fire passes by i'm not in the fire but then and there's there's a wind smashing the rocks god's not in that either but god speaks to him in the still small voice so that that is on mount carmel and then also on mount carmel is sort of the more fun story where the prophet Elijah challenges challenges the prophet of prophets of Baal to a competition. Basically, they're trying to prove whose God is real and whose God is not. And so Elijah says, okay, okay, let's let's do a test. We'll both prepare an altar, and whoever's God calls on fire upon the altar, that's the real God. So he lets, graciously lets the prophets of Baal go first. They build an altar and sla- slaughter the calf, put it on the altar, and dance around and call out to their God call out and call out, nothing happens. Elijah mocks them, calls out some more, nothing happens. He says, okay, you've had your time. Let me have my turn. He slaughter's his bull, builds the altar, puts the wood on the altar. Just to make the point, he pours water on it three times so that he can't do any you know, tricks of you know lighting a little fire on the sides. Oh, no, God did that. No, pour water all over it, so it's soaking wet. Then he, call, he prays, calls down God, boom, sends down lightning, sends down fire, ignites the altar, and then he slays all the pagan prophets. You know, a nice solid victory for God. That was on Mount Carmel too. So there's a nice statue of that, of commemorating Elijah slaying the pagan prophets. We came down from Mount Carmel then and drove a ways to the city of Bethlehem, to the city where Jesus was born. Now we haven't gone anywhere touristy, we haven't gone anywhere pilgrimage-wise yet in the city. But what we did do is go to a family's house for dinner. We did go to uh, a family, some, some Christian Palestinian family uh, that hosts, I think they host people um, somewhat frequently uh, for dinner so that, um, well, it's, it's sort of part of the nest pilgrimage that we get a chance to connect with local Palestinian Chris- Christian families and, um, sort of share part of their experience, get to know them, get to become friends with them, and make that connection across the world that we might not we might not otherwise get the chance to make. Aside from just making new friends, though, what made it special was hearing from their perspective what it's like to be a Palestinian living in this West Bank area. And this is a complicated political thing, and I don't want to get too much into it. But I think it's very important to share really this this kind of awful awful setup that they're in. basically these people are trapped in this area. By their religion and by their nationality they are required to live only in this small area. and so it's re- Israel has made it very difficult to do anything else and they've also made it very difficult to go anywhere else. so they are stuck in this small little area and are it's basically impossible for them to leave. And not even just impossible to, to move away, but almost impossible to literally get out of town to physically depart to somewhere else. Um, there are multiple, multiple checkpoints, um, often with massive delays and dehumanizing searches, and really, it seems terrible treatment from on behalf of the uh, in, on behalf of Israel. Uh, these people are treated um, not like cage to say like cage animals is is a little bit too strong but it's not too far off i mean to hear the mother of the family describe just how difficult it is to go outside of this honestly very small area of bethlehem itself and do anything is incredibly difficult and the israel government has made it seemingly on purpose very difficult for that um, they seem to be intending to trap them there and make life as difficult as possible for them. Now, I know there are a great amount of political complications and it's not a one sided problem. Um, but it's worth being aware of um, what is the what is the reality for these people that it's not you know that that these whatever it is that has caused it to be this way. It affects real-life human beings with real difficulties... With children, with families, with with jobs... They're trying to make ends meet... Trying to be happy human beings like we all want to be... And there are these... Honestly, very difficult... Very harsh... Very strict restrictions on them... Simply because they are of a certain nationality... Of a certain religion... Of a certain race... And... There's got to be a better solution to that... This is... um, In terms of human dignity... Again, not wanting to wade into how it got this way or what happened or, you know, whose fault it is or whatever, but looking at the status as it is, what these people have to live with, the situation that they are literally trapped inside of, um, from a human dignity standpoint, this is highly inappropriate. Um, That's all I want to say about it. But they were a very delightful family, very gracious, a very wonderful chance to meet with them, to, to, you know, play games with their kids, to talk about them, to hear about their lives. the wife i believe stays at home she didn't mention any employment that she had um though i believe she's pretty highly educated um but again she's kind of trapped here she can't she can't do a whole lot um but then uh, the husband is a wood carver and a musician so they had lots of great stories and he's i you know, think we're going to be going to the shop tomorrow that he makes uh, pieces of art for uh, so a great blessing to meet their family so that was our experience today um so only the the third day so far it's incredible we still have about another week or so, so it's, again, as I've said before several times already, it's incredible to imagine that this level of stuff is happening every day, but but so it is. Um, so hopefully I can get this posted soon, and uh, post pictures of it, of course, as well. Again, know of my prayers for all of you, especially for my special intentions that people ask to take with me, and please pray for us when we have a, a, a holy pilgrimage and we return safely. Thanks, and God bless we